podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I can't promise that I won't do it. It's extremely unlikely for me that I would do it. And I think just look at the bigger picture would be really important to emphasise at this stage. Hello everybody, my name's James and for the benefit of those listening to the audio, you're listening to Ask James on a regular YouTube live stream. We have welcome questions from the YouTube community on anything football related to timestamp. This has just gone 10am on Friday, January the 12th. I'm going to do this stream a little bit shorter than normal because it's a Friday deadline and I've got a lot on today. Um, so I'm going to answer questions up till 10.45. So for the next 40 minutes or so, and whatever is the last question I get to as per 10.45, that's what I will cover. If you're in the chat, nice to see you. Get your questions in. I'll answer in order of submission as per usual. Um, anything that's kind of repeat similar, I may well skip. Um, for the avoidance of... Um, I can't think of the right word. I was going to say credibility. That's not right. Transparency. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, I'm likely to be buying Cole Palmer and Phil Foden today for Mohamed Salah and Hyunming Sun. I am going to give a little bit of thought later today towards a potential minus four that would be uh, Alejandro Garnacho for Jared Bowen. That might be dependent on any news of Pau Torres, which I wouldn't expect to quite late in the afternoon. Um, that is my plan. If I keep Trent and Jared Bowen, by the way, I will start them because they're not playing till next weekend. Just on the off chance. Let's get into the questions. Um, Adam says, morning, James. Finalise your Sky overhaul team. It's honestly, this Friday deadline's killed me. If so, what's it looking like? Any fun punts? And what's the highest you think you can finish from here? What's the highest I can finish? Uh, first is not impossible. It's extremely unlikely. Um, I think top 100 would be a, a realistic aim. Sort of, what, 650th or something like that. Um, yeah, there's a few changes from Wednesday. I think I'm going to go with Romero probably because I think he's going to play. Um, so I think he'll come in for me now. Obviously, my intention was to go with Haaland, subject to what Pep says later. It looks like he's probably not going to play tomorrow. So it holds something back. So it might mean that I punt a Luton player uh, tonight. And possibly, therefore, just start with Ariola instead of Trafford. That's the current thinking. I'll be really honest. I haven't had time to give it a proper look. Um, and the moving, as I said, of the deadline to the Friday night is not great for me. I actually had a little play with it this morning. I won't make a final decision until I finish the deadline stream later today. Um, but it could be that the eight I said Wednesday plus the three changes might. It might just be what I end up going with. Um, I might punt Doughty. Might be the way I go, but I realised then putting Romero in and possibly leaving myself in a five-four-one, which obviously can't do. So there might be further changes last minute, honestly. Um, and I'll confirm that to my patrons on the Sky FF Slack channel. Um, Daniel Cullerton says, "Morning, mate. Hope you're well." Is Darwin Nunes an option in Sky with Salah away and Trent injured? Is he an option? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. You could punt a Darwin Nunes or Diogo Jota at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. You could. Um, with Sky as opposed to FPL, these players are far riskier um, in Sky because of the lack of any cover. But these guys are probably going to get minutes, but you do want confirmed starters in Sky. And generally speaking, that's what we'd recommend. So VVD is what the majority are going to go with for Liverpool. Uh, Daniel says, do any players spring to mind when you think of best Spurs 
free signings of all time. Free signings. Oh gosh. Um free signing. Edgar Davids, um, I think was a free transfer, I want to say. Changed the psyche of the club quite importantly, brought a winning mentality to a very young group of players. So off the top of my head, I'm gonna say that. Um Atala Mansour says, Hello, James. Uh says excellent work this week. Since it's nearly impossible to have all of Trent, Salah and Holland back in terms of money for double game with 25. Which two do you prefer? Why is it impossible, mate? My intention will be to have all three. Why is it impossible? And I'll be doing that with... I've got a plan in place that involves three transfers, no hits, unless I take that hit today. But either way, that Garnacho is a, is part of my plan moving forward, even if I don't oh. do it today. So it doesn't change a lot. It's just whether I want to go early on it. Um, why is it not possible to have all three, mate? Start making the plan to get all three would be the advice, honestly. In terms of which two would I prefer, well, Salah Holland are the, the two that can kill the most, mate. So, uh, my friend Tom Glover since his first choice back four for Spurs, Timo Werner debuted a Sancho loan hanging over Old Trafford as a symbol of everything that's wrong at United. Will a big Spurs win spell the end for Ten Hag? I spoke about this on one of the pods last week that I said that I thought if we went there and played really well and won. And United were looking at Tottenham's philosophy and the way they played and going like, yeah, we want to be like that. Then, yeah, with with the break, um, it could well be that it would be the end. Yeah, as I've said that previously. And I know you, you don't understand why I think United might win. I just think we're going to be one player short, mate, uh, in terms of the midfield area. I worry about the creativity a little bit on Sunday. And I think United, if they go back to kind of the old school Oli ball, as I discussed yesterday... I think could still do us real damage on the counter. If Romero and Van der Ven both play, then that's obviously going to be a, a huge, huge plus. But I still think with the midfield and the front three we'll have, we might be a little bit light of something. That That's my take. And I think we might dominate the game and still get beat. That, that's kind of how I foresee it at the moment. Uh, Lord Officus, hello, my friend, says, Morning, James. I uh, hope you're well. Need to bench one of Darwin Nunes, Richarlison. Well, you are in a better position this week than everybody else, mate. Jeez. Um, the sensible answer here is Nunes because we know that Richarlison will start. And it, it just comes down to that, I think. Um, I think Liverpool will have a difficult game at Bournemouth. They, they need Dominic Shabosla back fit, I think, which he probably will be. That's difficult to foresee as it's a week away in terms of how that might play out. So I think right in front of you, go with a player that's got the game this weekend. There's plenty that do think Tottenham will win this weekend. I know that we're capable. So yeah, probably he's played Richarlison. Tom said, Alex Ferguson famous, famously said, lads, it's Tottenham. What do you think Pep says when City play Spurs? Probably the same thing. Lads, it's Tottenham and just adds on in a bracket, please score. So I'm sure we'll see a lot of that rehash clip. Uh, from the summer, he said all we wanted to do this season was score at Tottenham. Well, he's got two opportunities to do it now this season, so surely they'll get that monkey off their back. Um, I, by the way, I'm pretty pleased that the game's on a Friday night. Um, obviously, both teams have got a long rest before the tie comes around, but I think for us, it's quite important in terms of game which 22 and 23 because uh, we play Brentford on the Wednesday night and then Everton the Saturday lunchtime. Sorry, by the way, guys, no deadline stream game with 23. I'll be at Goodison Park. Um, so to have that little spacing from the City game, the Friday night to the Brentford Wednesday, I think is quite useful for us, actually. Uh, Ridges Abdo says, hey, James, if Pep confirms Haaland starting, worth going minus eight for him. 
Nah, probably not. I mean, look, let's put it this way anyway. He isn't going to confirm that he's starting. He might confirm that he's in the squad. He ain't going to confirm that he's starting. It's near a certainty, so I think it's a no, mate. Vish says, should we still keep funds back for Holland, even though the news is 50-50 at best? Is it not optimal to have unused funds? Yeah, but you need to think about how you're getting back, right? So let's take the example and go, right, yeah, shit, I'm going to spend the money. Right, well, it's going to cost you at least a minus four if you want to get in the game with 22. So this is where I think those who play Sky Fantasy Football will probably quite do quite well in FPL over this period. It's the plan ahead and knowing that's my plan transfer for 22. That's my plan transfer for 24, etc. And that involves leaving money in the bank at the moment. I'm likely to leave a shitload in my overhaul team in Sky Fantasy today as well, right? And it's part of that. It's safe routes back to Holland and Salah. So, no. I mean, look, if Holland was ruled out for another month and he's going to miss four or five game weeks, sure, spend that money. Um, but in terms of not optimal, the thing with that is you can say it's a bad example um, because of midfield players, right? But would you go and get not get Cole Palmer because oh, he's cheap oh, and I can spend the money, it's not optimal? Well, no. Optimal will probably tell you go and have Cole Palmer if you don't have, right? Uh of Whelan says, morning, James, doing Salah to Palmer this week. Locked in. He's taking Bowen out. Worth it for a minus four. Well, I, I can't really answer that, my friend, because as a covered, I've not 100% decided for myself. And it might be a chain off of Paul Torres being my only cover for this week that might push me to say, yeah, let's do this. Let, let's, let's take him out. Bowen is going to be a sacrifice for me anyway as part of my future plan and future moves. So I don't mind moving him on. You know, United in 23, Arsenal 24 is not the best two. I realise there's a cluster up until FA Cup quarterfinal weekend in game with 29, like his fixtures are largely pretty good. But he was always likely to be a sacrifice for me in any case, unfortunately. So I, I can't answer the question because I haven't decided for myself. I would suspect for most people, the answer is probably no. Um, but it is very subject to the rest of your squad. It's not a straightforward. Like if you're sitting there and you, well, I've still got Trent, Salah, Son, is Boeing worth a minus four to get rid? Probably, yeah. If you've got, I would say, one decent cover this week, it's probably not because there's every chance to be back for 22. And I wouldn't say, I mean, he's not completely ruled out with certainty for next week yet. Rodrigo Bentancourt wasn't going to be back for February till February for Tottenham. I saw him return two weeks ago. So could a player who's really important like Jared Bowen suddenly be back for Sheffield United next week? I am aware of that as well. So I think for most people, it's probably a no. Murphy says, hi, James. Who to have first bench out on Mubama and Cash? Yes, it's that bad. I'm starting Trent just in case he's back early. Uh, does Mubama have a chance to start with all the West Ham's absentees? Yes, he definitely does. Um, I think there's every chance he probably will play, mate. Yeah. Um, and we can't look at Matty Cash and call that a certainty. I, th I think, to be honest, probably Esri Consul will play right back, I would have thought. Um, I think Leon Bailey will play, so Matty Cash probably doesn't start either. So, yeah, I probably would chance it with Mabama, mate. Daniel, is it 4.2 or something ridiculous, isn't it? It'd be very short-term in any case. I wouldn't advise people steam in now. Uh, Daniel Cullerton says, can you name this ex-Spurs player by their career path? Tottenham, Newcastle, Birmingham. Tottenham, Newcastle, Birmingham. 
Birmingham. I'm trying to think. Tottenham players have played for Birmingham. Stephen Clements rings a rings a bell. I'm fairly certain he didn't end up at Newcastle. Tottenham, Newcastle, Birmingham. Tottenham, Newcastle, Birmingham. Oh, Stephen Carr. Stephen Carr. One of my favourite players. <laughs> Loved him. He was my favourite player in the late 90s and early noughties, Stephen Carr. It's amazing how your brain plays tricks on you sometimes. Stephen Carr is definitely the answer to that. Uh, James Brennan says, Hi, James. I'm 99% on wildcard this week. You're not, mate. Uh, I think 25 blanks are reasonably clear. And if 29 is an issue, then free hit. Please talk me out of it. Also, starting with Holland, would you play him or Garnacha this week? Look, don't do it. I mean that strongly. Strongly. Even if you're sitting there with like six flags or something at the moment, honestly, just take a minus eight. Take a minus eight, get it sorted. The whole landscape of the whole game could change before game week 22. I think like for those who've done it, I wish you the very best of luck. I recommend a few different punts to take yesterday on yesterday's pods, such as Rashford and Brighton players and stuff like that. But honestly, don't do it, mate. Please don't do it. And you know what? Just survive this week. And if you get a 22 and you're like, yeah, this is still going to be right for me. Fine. Do it. The whole landscape of the whole game and the whole outlook for all future game weeks that could involve a blank or double game week could change dramatically in the next two weeks before game week 22. I'd literally, for anybody who hasn't done it and is considering it, I'd actually beg you not to do it. Honestly, really, really don't do it. And you know what? Exactly as I said, if the outlook is the way that it's expected and it still looks exactly the same going in the 22 and you've got your information on doubles, blanks, etc., crack on, do it. Just survive this week. Remember, so many people have got problems this week. I'm sitting there with Trent, Bowen, Salah, Sun, Pau Torres, right? Five outfield players, extremely unlikely to, almost, to be honest, almost definitely, probably not going to play at all this week. Wouldn't go through my head to consider wildcard. Even if I'd only had one free transfer, take a minus eight. Absolutely do not wildcard if you're still sitting there and thinking about it. So I want to talk you off the ledge, mate. And do you know what? If that's wrong, fine. But I, I really think that you should wait at least one more week. So I, I I feel strongly about that. As always, play it your way, right? If you, if you really truly feel, and I can't see your team, it's truly right for you. I don't know, you're sitting there with 10 flags or something. Okay, sure, I get it. But there is so much more information to learn ahead of game week 22. If you haven't listened to the Chip Strategy podcast, please listen to it. Uh, Dario says, uh, finally, the day has come. FPL is back. And he's got like a little dancing emoji. Fish says, will Doku nail down his place on the left? Assuming he's close to being back to full fitness, will Bernardo retain his good minutes too? Yeah, Bernardo Silva will see plenty of minutes. Might be in a deeper role. But he'll see plenty of minutes. Um, Jeremy Doku, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he'll probably play regularly enough, like regularly enough for you to ask a question, which is it's like it's not written, and I appreciate it's not. Like, is he nailed kind of? Well, no, he's not. He's going to be in competition primarily with Jack Grealish, isn't he? So I think you can see what I can see. FPL Andy, sorry, excuse me, says, uh, morning, James. Worth it to bring in Foden for Sun and bench Gordon or start Gordon and roll. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind that. It's a massive blow this morning. The report seems to suggest Joel Linton's going to be out till probably about March, um, which is a huge, huge blow for them because I think even watching the game against Sunderland last week, and I, I know it's a championship team, 
but you remember the importance of his physicality and power in that area. Newcastle looks so much stronger with him. Um, and he's arguably the, the worst player they could have lost, I think, for a period of time. That's a real problem. Um, but that doesn't particularly take away from Gordon's potential in terms of space, counter-attacking against City. He's got an extremely good home record. I don't mind you starting Anthony Gordon. If you want to wait, wait a week, fine. I think what you'd have to consider is, think about your future moves and ask yourself this. If Foden returns this week and then it's Burnley at home next, how badly are the people that not got him going to steam into him ahead of 22? I've thought about this because the three players that I already said that were really under consideration for me were Palmer, Garnacho, and Foden. And he's thinking about it and like almost which one can I wait longest for? Well, on the face of it, it's probably Garnacho, but it was also considering, well, maybe I might, might not want Foden. Maybe Bowen will be back for 22. Maybe that holds the money better for me. But it is part that, thinking about what if Foden does really well this weekend? he's probably going to be near enough the, the most bought player going in the game with 22. Now, I don't know your plan and how that might affect things. Maybe you don't care, right? But you don't want to be making early transfers going in a game with 22, again, because the information is so important. And to reiterate, there's nothing wrong with early transfers. There's a right time and a wrong time. And I, I would say that generally for nearly all of us, it will be a wrong time to be making early transfers ahead of game with 22 with what we can learn over that period. Um, so I think it's probably, yeah, get Foden in. I think probably. Uh, Gaurav Ranjan says, hi, James. Torn went to use free hit. 25 is tempting, but would miss Salah and Trent for 24. Burnley and 26, Forest Viable. Um, it will feel like the easiest way to get Liverpool City players in. And you can obviously, you know, if, if they both double. And you can obviously throw in players like Tony. For example, Alfie Doughty, you know, Doughty, Doughty and other Luton players, not that you'd be desperate from, would cause you a 26 problem if you naturally go and buy them. So I get it. I get it. We discussed this on the chip pod that it might be something that people want to consider. What you've got to weigh up, though, is what comes afterwards. And I don't think we can definitively answer it till the FA Cup full round's gone, as said, because then we can have a real projected look at what game which 29 probably will look like. And at the moment, there's too many unknowns there. So, and what, what's important about that is understand whether you'll work through to 29 or perhaps free hit in 29. Also consider what I said about 34 and 37 and the fact that, yes, there'll be double game weeks in both of those weeks. But it's for the majority of teams, they're not going to double in both. They're going to double in one or the other. So you probably want two different sets of teams. So, I think when you look at 25 and you consider other things such as Arsenal go to Burnley, Villa go to Fulham, Tottenham have Wolves at home, Newcastle have Bournemouth at home, Manchester United go to Luton, Brighton go to Sheffield United, West Ham go to Nottingham Forest. We should remember that in game week 25, the majority of teams who have singles from the, the expected top 10, basically they've all got good fixtures except Chelsea. And if Chelsea are going to blank in game with 26, then there's every reason to say at, at the point of 25, you sell your Chelsea players to potentially get a couple of enabling double doublers, maybe. So for me, it's a probable no. I can't promise that I won't do it. It's extremely unlikely for me that I would do it. And I think just look at the bigger picture would be really important to emphasise at this stage. And kind of what you're saying, right? You know, Burnley 24, it's Forest 27, isn't it, for... Yeah, it's 27 for Liverpool. Yeah, 
factored out on either side that you're going to want Liverpool players for those two games as well. Murphy says, from top to bottom, what order would you prioritise the sales of Salah, Son, Trent and Bowen? Well, I've got all four. So for me, it's Son first, purely because there's every chance that I don't even want to go back to him. Is uh, you know, Richarlison's positioning now versus Son's positioning, the impact of Werner coming into the squad, Tottenham getting the players back fit, which you can spin that narrative either way, whether there's pros or cons to that. I generally, I know I said after he tore it up against Newcastle, I don't rate Son as an FPL asset, particularly on the left. If he goes back and plays there, I'm not that bothered about getting him back. Maybe Richarlison or Werner will be options for me moving forward that I'm quite happy to consider, for example. Um, and it might be I just don't bother because there's enough good other assets. And there's the blank 26. And it's very unlikely that Chelsea Tottenham would be brought forward to a double game, which is more likely to be later in the season. So Sun first. Then I think Salah, because with him versus the other two, that's the player that's likely to miss the longest amount of time. Bowen, we're projecting back 22-23. It's similar for Trent. Salah is extremely unlikely to be back before 24. So for me, it becomes Sun, then Salah, then Bowen over Trent. Why Bowen over Trent? Because I definitely know that I'm going to want Trent back. Whereas I've already said, said for me, Bowen is going to be part of a sacrifice for me whether it's now or in a few weeks anyway. Um, but Bowen would still be very handy, maybe even for this week, very unlikely. But he could be very handy for game with 22 at home to Bournemouth. So that would be the order of preference at the moment. Uh, Dario says, hi, James. Why are you late? I'm always late, mate. Rhett says, start Gusto over Moreno this week. And if Saka doesn't return this week, is he the easy choice to use as funds for Robot? Yeah, Saka's likely to be a sacrifice for me as well. It's worth saying and repeating that Arsenal and West Ham are great fixtures heading towards game week 29. Um, but I, I'm happy to move that on, to be honest. It's not a player I'm desperate to get rid of. I'm captaining him this week as it stands. But it's a player I'd be happy to move on. So, yeah, if Saka becomes uh, an option as part of getting that back, yeah, fine. I think almost, almost even better for 22 rather than for me, it'd probably be later on because you're selling before an away game then Liverpool, then another away game. Yeah, the timing of moving in might not feel bad if it's specifically for game with 22. On Gusto, yeah, that's a start. I'm not quite sure. I was thinking about this earlier um, in terms of trying to create the, the bench and dilemmas for the deadline stream. And I'm thinking, what would be the ideal back three this week if you had your choice of all players? And I think it's probably double Arsenal defence plus Gusto would probably be the, the sort of ideal back three going into this week. So I think for nearly everybody, I'd play Gusto. Now, he did come off very late in the Middlesbrough game. Chelsea are normally pretty open in terms of their injury information. Pochettino did say after the game that there, there wasn't a problem. They were protecting him, but there wasn't longer the game left, so I'm not sure what they were protecting. But Chelsea will probably be open and honest if he's got a problem today. But if they don't mention him, then, yeah, it's a definite start for me, I think. Uh, Gurav says, tempted to get Doughty now, else play with Power Torres with double defence in Martinez. Worth or save considering Doughty blanks in 26? It depends on your team, right? So let's let's set it to you like this. Let's say you've got Poro Richarlison, you've got Palmer Gusto, you're going to want maybe at least double Liverpool, perhaps treble Liverpool for game with 25. That's seven players that would potentially be unavailable in game with 26. Doughty's just adding you another problem. And although what we can do here, we can go, 
doubt he's got a double in 25. That's great. Yeah, cool. That's right. But he actually probably, unless the Bournemouth game was to go in as well, which I don't think will at the moment, then he hasn't actually got any extra fixtures. Sure, you probably you wouldn't have played him at Liverpool in 26 anyway, but he's just another problem, another headache. Now, if you're in a position currently where, I don't know, let's just say you've just got Cole Palmer, don't have any Tottenham, don't have any other Chelsea, then carrying a Doughty with you becomes much easier to manage. So I think it depends on the rest of your squad, Gareth, rather than the specific of just get him or not. Pau Torres, again, we'll hear from Emery later today, but the word on the street is that he's probably not going to be unavailable. He's probably not going to be available. A Wood says, morning, James. On a human level, I feel sadder with Dyer leaving than I did Kane in the summer. All the vids and comments from him compared to what Harry Kane did just puts Harry Kane in a bad light, in my opinion, your thoughts. Um, It is interesting. that um, I, I shed a tear last night, honestly. I'm not ashamed to say that. And I did when Hugo left as well. Same thing. Um, And no, you're right. I didn't about Harry Kane. I think there's also Harry Kane was such obviously a big story. There was it was probably a lot of prep for it. Whereas with Hugo and Eric Dyer, most Tottenham fans would have been like, "Yeah, you got to go." And I'm not saying they shouldn't, right? It, that, that's the, the club has done the right thing. Um, but when it ends, you think, "Gee, both of them are give great service to the club." I mean, in Hugo's case, twelve years. Eric Dyer played 365 games for time. It was mad. Man, it's in it's in Tottenham's top twenty five all time appearances, and it's easy to think, oh, it's been shit over the last year, and perhaps you know people forget. I, I sp- people who watch my streams regularly or know I always speak about the destabilizing illness he had in two thousand eighteen. It ruined him physically. He missed like three four months of football because of illness. That took him a really long time to recover from, and his position changed quite a bit, but. I mean, in that period, sort of fourteen to to two thousand eight, it was great. It was great in it was great when he had to cover in defence. It was great when he went in midfield. It was great when he went back to centre back. It was good. It was really, really good for Tottenham. Once he lost the extra yard of pace, it was a problem. Think back to when he played in holding midfield for Tottenham. And I went, oh, he's slow. He can't turn or anything like. That. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's now the big thing now. It's like, oh, he's too slow, etc. No one said he was slow in midfield. Used to dominate for us, particularly in that 15, 16 season. So no, I remember Eric Dyer with a lot of lot of fondness. He's always handled himself incredibly well. Um same with with Hugo, I think. And yeah, it's quite sad that that when it finished, and again, it's the right decision, but when it finished, it's like, yeah, I'm a bit sad about that. There are two people there that I've grown to love, right? So yeah, I understand what you're saying. I don't think it makes it um worse like we'd have preferred Harry Kane to stay it's probably as well I was of the opinion that it was probably the right thing to sell Kane to give Ange the start of a new fresh team um you know would would Harry Kane have still done well at Tottenham this year there's no doubt about it it's well class right you can't replace that you can only be different I get your point I get your sentiment and yeah in in a in a weird way yeah it was a little bit sad it doesn't really I think the people on the outside that weren't any sense but I understand what you're saying I really do Emily Sissoni says, hey, James, well carded last week. So no Salah or Sun issues for me. I do have Trent and Bowen, though. Would you sell either of them or just roll the transfer, both Garnacho and Gusto, to cover them? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, you're in a similar position to me, Emily. So I'm, I'm going to skip it. Thank you for the question. But I think I've kind of covered those four players and, and my thinking around that, Emily. Uh, Ian from Melbourne says, Evening, James. Hope you and the family are doing well. What was your favourite Spurs Cup winning cup run? 1991, 98-99 or 07-08? Great question. Um, I mean, all of them. All of them. Um, 90-91 was my first season ticket year. So I was a, you know, starry-eyed seven-year-old on that cup run where it felt like we was on the brink of elimination, like all the way through it, basically. And Paul Gascoigne got us to the final almost single-handedly, then broke his leg in the final and they managed to win it without him. So really dramatic, 91. And as a kid then, you think, well, is it always like this? Yeah, no fucking FA Cup final since his madness. Um, 98-99 is quite underrated. Um, because we nearly went down the year before. We started the season terribly and Ginola, a little bit like um, Gascoigne in 91, really carried that team. Um, and there was some good wins in there, right? We beat Liverpool away in the last 16. It was admittedly a poor Liverpool. We beat Manchester United in, in the quarterfinal at Wild Lane. Again, it was a heavily rotated United, but the, you know that team went on and won the treble uh, in the same season. Um, that was a really good night at Wild Lane. Chris Armstrong scored twice. The semi against Wimbledon was dour, but we had three ends of the ground at Selhurst Park in the second leg, 1-1-0, one, one, and that was great. Still don't forgive my mum for not letting me run on the pitch at the end. And then the final was shit as well, but we scored in like the 94th minute to win it, right? So it had its dramatic moments. I think probably though 07-08, actually. Um, I think... Yeah, probably just because of the three games at the end. So the beating Chelsea in the final was obviously huge and unexpected. Remember that Chelsea team went got to the Champions League final that season. Brilliant Chelsea team. We obviously destroyed Arsenal in the semi-final. Again, admittedly a weakened Arsenal, but destroyed them. That was great. It's probably my favourite night at White Lane, near enough. Um, and the quarterfinal, I was at Yeti had for the quarterfinal. Um, away to Manchester City. Jermaine Defoe scored early and uh, then Didier Zakura got sent off after about 15 minutes. Um, we won 2-0. Steve Malbronk scored near the end to double the lead and Berbatov was unbelievable. So what's interesting about that, actually, and for reflecting on those three cup wins, is they were all largely carried by one individual, um, Gascoigne, Ginola and Berbatov. With Berbatov, I know there was you know, Robbie Keane as well, but it was largely Berbatov really, really was by far the outstanding player of, of that team. And that night at the Etihad, he was a madness. He, he obviously had to play up front on his own. Um, and his two best ever performances for Tottenham, I felt, were in games when he when we went down to 10 men. It's like a light bulb went off. I've got to work harder. The other game for record, I've mentioned this in the past, was a league game against Bolton, actually, um, which he didn't even score in. Um, we won 4-1. He was a joke. They couldn't get near him. Um, and it was similar that night at the Etihad as well. So, yeah, probably the 0708 one, actually. Chris Hermitage says, Hi, James. Has much changed with your Sky team since Wednesday? Uh, Vicario and Ariola seem the most popular keepers at this stage. If no Cunha for 1st of February, would you suggest having Ariola for captaincy? Yeah, I, I covered right at the start, Chris. I'm going to skip that off. I don't think there's anything really I can add to that. But yeah, Ariola is certainly part of my plan, whether that's a goalkeeper to to him or just start with him. 
Uh, Cunha, I would really like to have, but I think it's beginning to look like it's a knock-on effect of Haaland that means that he might not. Uh, Tom Johnson says, Morning, James. What do you make of some of the FFP anti-competition chat this week, particularly the topic of a three-year grace period for new owners? Love the podcast. Great work. Thank you. Um, I've not heard that uh, about the three-year grace periods. I don't think I can comment on it. Sorry, Tom. Um, if you want to tag me to something on Twitter that I can have a read of tomorrow or something, I'd, I'd very much appreciate that, mate. Um, I've not seen that. In terms of anti-competition, uh, it's two sides to this. So I think for clubs like uh, particularly Newcastle is a good example at the moment. Newcastle feel like they're being restricted from doing what Chelsea or City did, for example, um, and are being restricted by FFP. There's rumours again that Bruno Gomez said this yesterday, or I think it was yesterday's pod, um, that Bruno Gomez might have to be moved on as part of complying with FFP, which is madness, really. But I did also say that Newcastle signings have been chunky, but they hadn't gone mad. But you think of like Isak, Gimerez, you know, some big big money signings in there. Um, which is no criticism at all. Um, but they feel that they want to push on a lot quicker and can't. But then at the same time, they got in the Champions League that, you know, quicker than they expected. I think the flip against that argument is take a scenario like Chelsea at the moment. So one of the arguments is that this anti-competition of not letting teams just spend what they want means that the established order stays where it is. Well, Villa this season, Newcastle last year, have proven that that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Tottenham have been proving that for years, right? Tottenham, remember, got into that that position of being part of a so-called big six, not by spending money, by being a bit smarter about their business. And that was a, a long process. And not only got there, but unlike others who might have got there, stayed in and around it for a significant period. Um, but if you look at Chelsea at the moment, right? It's not to say Chelsea won't finish top six this year. They definitely can. And they're not completely out of running for top four, but need to start winning back-to-back games of football very, very quickly if that's going to be the case. But they're in a position now where you say, well, it's 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 anti-competition because it keeps the elite there. But Chelsea don't qualify for Champions League this year or at least get into the Europa League. They're in trouble. They're in trouble. They're going to have to start selling players. And so then you've got someone who's in the you know, the ante and are kept in that kind of greedy six who are in trouble. They're probably going to have to start selling players and they're going to have to be much smarter about the business of than what they've done so far, right? And who knows, right? Maybe the business they've done will bear fruit for them when they have to sell players and the fact they've got all these young players, maybe they'll grow together and become a really good team. I don't know. Um, but I, I, as ever with these conversations, I think there's a narrative that can be spun either way. And I think how you feel about it is quite often determined by the team that you support. So <laughs> as a Tottenham fan, it's no interest to me to just have teams be able to spend whatever they want when our whole model over the last 20 years has been based on generating revenue organically that allows us to compete. Right. So it's in my interest that there is some form of FFP rather than just let other clubs go mental because under that, it's no good for my team. So I think you'll always have a slant depend on who you support but the narrative as ever can always be spun either way on something like this and it's it's emotive Elrond Cupboard says when are you expected to be back to full fitness uh, I thank Nico for posting shit videos on 
Instagram and stuff, don't I? <laughs> um, I have, I'm fairly certain, got sciatica. Um, which, what's that? Sounds like an STD. It does sound like an STD. It's not an STD. Um, I bent down to pick up one of Harry's shoes on Christmas Eve and my back just gave out. Um, and I knew it was one of them. We've all done it. We go, oh, that's a sharp pain to my back. I knew it was different as soon as I did it. And I, I, that's not good. I don't have a lot of pain in my back at the moment. The pain is in my right leg, all of it, whether it's my my ankle, my foot, my toes, my calf, my hamstring, my quad, all of it. And when I move, I don't know which bit of it's going to hurt the most. So I'm in a lot of pain at the moment, which means that I'm walking around constantly looking like I've shit myself at the moment. Um, treatment for sciatica is suggested that basically there's not a lot you can do. You're going to be in pain for about four, six weeks. If you're still in pain after that, then you're in trouble. <laughs> if the pain starts in your left leg, then you're in a lot, a lot of trouble. That's unlikely to happen. Um, there's not a lot you can do. You could go and seek, I could go and seek physiotherapy, but it might take me ages to get seen or anything. It might be the pain's gone by then. So I just got to part with it at the moment. So my mental health is good. Let's put it that way. That's the most important thing. Um, Eric Onstead says, good morning, James. How about, Timo, have a feeling Ange will get the best out of him. Yeah, look, I hope so, right? My feeling is that that's unlikely. Uh, genuinely. Um, uh, I referenced this on um, our Tottenham podcast on Patreon on Wednesday We're in discussion with Suj. So all these people coming out about why Timo Werner is such a great signing for Tottenham. It's like no, none of you would have mentioned that two weeks ago, but now because he's there. And I get it. People want to spin a positive light on things. And I absolutely hope that he does well. I've got, I really like him as a person. He's always, even when he was at Chelsea, I think he's come across as quite likable. Um, he speaks really well in his interviews and stuff. I think even, you know, he didn't shy away from the fact that he'd represented Chelsea and, but did it in a really nice way that wasn't disrespectful to Tottenham in any way or anything. Comes across really likable. Like I like that. Um, do I think he's going to long-term be good enough for a Tottenham team that I want to challenge for the league title? Now, nah, probably not. Did we also need a body in right now to make us better for the rest of this season? Yeah, absolutely. And as I often say, people often say, oh, who did you want? Who do you want to buy? He obviously wouldn't have been a name I've mentioned. But one of the things I regularly say is like, whoever Ange wants. And if that's who Ange wanted, then I'm happy to to run with it. He's a smarter guy than me. He knows what he wants more than me. And if you think Werner's going to do the job for him, then I'm I'm happy to run with it, right? I don't want him to do bad. I want him to do great. I want him to do so well that I'm sitting here in March, April going, God, we can't buy him. Like, that's that's how I hope it works out. I suspect possibly not. I suspect he's probably going to play on the left, Um, which also, when you think about it, well, what does that mean when Sun's back? What's the impact on Richarlison? Is it then an impact on Werner back out of the team? I suspect that's probably where he's going to play. And how he performs over the next four or five games will determine whether he's going to become a first-choice player or not. Because certainly Son will come back in as a first-choice, won't he, whether it's on the left or through the middle. And it might be that Werner's performance dictates where eventually that will be. So, uh, no, I'm not convinced, but I I definitely want to get behind him. I definitely want him to do well. I think he's very likeable. Uh, Joe Rencanija says, Hi, James. Hello. Uh, play Richarlison or Pedro Porro? I think it's Richarlison. Yeah. Ask yourself this, Jovan. If if you had to captain one, which would which would you put the armband on? Yeah, you'll find your answer once you ask yourself that. Declan Burns says, Hi James, I need a midfielder under 6.5 to replace Salah so I can bring in Holland next week. Already owned Palmer. Cheers, Garnacho. 
yeah, look, it's, it's strategy dependent as well, but I, I really like it. He's playing regularly. He's under 5 million. Is he going to tear it up? No, probably not, but he's an under 5 million midfielder. The fixtures aren't great, but it offers consistent coverage at the moment. And when you might need it most, like game at 26, Fulham at home is a really nice fixture. So, uh, Garnacho. Also, if United did go out the FA Cup in, say, the fifth round, because it's unlikely to be the fourth round, Sheffield United at home, possibly, for the blank in 29, you know, he could he could be someone that by the time we got the game with 29 became a template player. I don't think that's inconceivable. So, um, yeah, I, I, I would save the money. I wouldn't just, like, for the sake of it, go for someone in the 6.5 range. I'd come right down. And you'll find that more useful for something else in later weeks, right? Maybe that's something that changes that allows you to get, you know, a Jota or Nunes for 25 rather than something else. I'd go right down with it, Declan. Uh, the Hobbs 89 says, Hi, James. Happy Friday. No question. Just a thank you for the excellent chip pod and reminder to everyone watching that the best decision they can make in 2024 is sign up to Planet FPL Patreon. Thank you, my friend. Very well sold. Yes, if you want to support the show, it's www.patreon.com forward slash Planet FPL. Do it because you want to support the things that we do or because you want additional content. Or if you just want to join our, our brilliant community, which is a, just a really, really nice version of the Elon Musk app um, with none of the bullshit and horrible people that comes with it. So, yeah, if you want to support the show, it's on uh, www.patreon.com forward slash planet FPL. And it is 10.45 a.m. So that feels like a really good place to end stream. I don't want to overkill. And I know so many, it's just about replacing flag players at the moment. So I don't want to, particularly for those listening to the audio, I don't want to kind of overload with information. Um, what I can say to you though, is obviously we got the TV announcements for the FA Cup fourth round last night. And that's caused a little bit of a debate. Um, Chelsea Villa kind of being forced to play on the Friday night because of the awkwardness of Chelsea playing Middlesbrough in the League Cup semi-final on the Tuesday. Newcastle having to play in the Premier League on the Saturday afterwards and playing Fulham, who have to play Liverpool in the Carabao Cup on the Wednesday, and the police not allowing Chelsea and Fulham to both play at home on the same day, meaning that Chelsea Villa has got to be the Friday night, because Fulham Newcastle couldn't be the Friday night, and they couldn't put it on the Sunday. Yeah, it's messy, because Villa are also playing on the Tuesday. And you're thinking, Jesus, James, did you remember all that? Yes, because it's strategy, right? And I, when I do the projections on the fixtures and stuff, these things need to be factored into your thinking. It's complicated. Um, with that in mind, the good news was, which is what I'd said earlier this week and was very hopeful for, no Monday night game. That means we will do another chip strategy podcast as long as there isn't a game announced on the Monday or if they decide to do the FA Cup draw on the Monday, which I don't think they'll do if all the games are going to be on the Sunday. I think they'll do the draw on the Sunday means we'll do another chip strategy podcast for you on January the 29th, which is the Monday after the FA Cup fourth round. And it's important we do it on the Monday because the game with 22 deadline is on the Tuesday. But that's the intention. I really appreciate everybody who's fed back and said kind words and shared, etc. Um, from Tuesday's podcast. It's, it's one that I know normally goes down really well. We will have a much better understanding as well on January the 29th. And we'll cover all the stuff that we've covered but with more information and a perhaps a clearer understanding of what our path may be going forward. So that's one to book in for your diaries. That is 17 days away. It's 18 days from now till the game week 22 deadline. As said earlier, I strongly recommend that people don't make early transfers to game week 22. You will find out definitively which teams will blank in game week 26. You may find out 
when those blankers might double. We may get game with 25 information. We could even get new information like a date for Bournemouth versus Luton, for example. We will also know who goes through in the FA Cup fourth round and we will know the draw for the fifth round of the FA Cup. That then allows us to accurately project the probability of exactly what game week 29 will look like and therefore possibly 34 and 37 as well. And there'll only be a couple of days left of the transfer window. Transfers may be made over the next couple of weeks and players can, of course, get injured and form could come into play because form isn't something that lasts forever. There is a lot to learn, guys. Try not to be trigger happy when you find out that Haaland's fit and you don't own him and you need to desperately get him in. Do you know what? He's probably one you could because you know you'll want to you'll go there. But even in the case of him, right, he would still have to navigate his fitness issues in an intense FA Cup tie at Tottenham first. I would suggest that we all wait if we can. Right, I'll leave it there, guys. Thank you very much. I know I've not got through as many questions as normal today, but thank you to all of you who have contributed and submitted questions. I wish you the very best of luck for Game Week 21. For the patrons, your differential show should be available for you, I think, around about 12.30pm. For the advanced tier patrons, intermediate plus tier patrons, your team news stream will be at 2 o'clock today. Then I need to go and pick my son up from school. And for all of you, I'll be back on YouTube today at 5.15pm while daddy's sitting for the Game Week 21 deadline stream just sees me to say thank you very much everyone smash a like if you're live on the stream and for the benefit of those on the audio cue music please man child the fantasy football show Podcast Network.